0: this is section eleven of mark twain the complete interviews this librivox recording is in the public domain interview eleven mark twain back again new york sun september third eighteen seventy nine page one read by john greenman the only thing about mark twain that seems natural is his drawl that is as nasal and as deliberate as ever his hat as he stood on the deck of the incoming cunarder gallia yesterday was of the pattern that english army officers wear in india and his suit of clothes was such as a merchant wears at his store he looks older than when he went to germany and his hair has turned quite gray his wife returned with him and his brother-in-law came on board at quarantine so as mark twain said i shall let him take off my luggage and fight it out with the custom house officers i've had a good time said he during the seventeen months i've been abroad you remember i went out on a dutch steamer the same one that bayard taylor went on he got out at plymouth and i never saw him again while he was at berlin i corresponded with him and we made an appointment to meet in the fall i stayed on the continent most of the time "'How far have you got in Ohlendorf?' he was asked. "'Oh, I don't speak German,' replied the humorist. "'It's enough that I've endured the agony of learning to read it. "'I made two or three speeches in German at Heidelberg in my peculiar German. "'I stayed at Heidelberg four months. "'I could have written my book in German. "'But then, you see, I want the book read so i wrote it in english english is about the cleverest language i ever handled i like english somebody nudged mark twain and introduced to him a man who said that he had heard of him and read his writings but never had the pleasure etc yes said mr clemens I stayed a long while in Heidelberg, and in Dresden, and Munich, and Venice, and Paris, and about four weeks in London. Wherever I stayed a month I went to work on my book. It's finished and will be published in November. I don't know what the name of it is, but I know what it's about. It's about this trip I've taken no it isn't fiction it's about my journey like the innocents abroad all serious all facts and wisdom i say it's finished but it isn't the first half is done but i've got to go through the last half and throw whole rafts of it away after that i may run through the first half and throw away lots of that then it will be ready for the printer I'm going to have it published by the same folks that published all my things. Here a young man intervened between Mr. Clemens and the reporter, and said he'd often read of Mr. Clemens and seen his writings, but that this was really the first time, etc. Some of the places I went to, Mr. Clemens continued, I had been to before, but most of them were new. I suppose New York's changed. I used to go up a block or two above the Gilsey house to see the men work on the elevated railroads, to see how fast they slung the iron together. Before I went away, Dan Sloat and I parted one afternoon, and the next day Dan told me that he wanted to hurry uptown, so he started for the elevated railroad, the one in Greenwich Street was running then. Well, he got a thinking— AND HE THOUGHT IT WAS RISKY FOR A MAN WITH A FAMILY AND A GOOD BUSINESS TO TRUST TO ONE OF THOSE ROADS, SO HE TURNED ON HIS HEEL AND WALKED AWAY TO GET A BUS, WHILE THERE WAS A WOMAN WASHING WINDOWS NEAR THE TOP OF A FOUR-STORY HOUSE, AND DOWN SHE CAME, SO CLOSE TO DAN THAT HER HEELS TOOK THE BUTTONS OFF HIS COAT, AND HER HEAD GREASED HIS SHOULDER she was killed, of course, and Dan had a narrow escape. The moral of that is, in my opinion, that a man who is looking out for his life might as well trust to his first impulses. At this point there was introduced to Mark Twain a robust seafaring man, who said he had often heard of Mr. Clemens, but had never read a word, and then he corrected himself and said he had never had the extreme pleasure, etc., when i sailed in the batavia said mr clemens to the seafaring man i had a different opinion of the cunard line from that which i now entertain i objected to the prunes i suppose you know that when the cunarders changed from sailing to steam power they maintained some of their old sailing ideas on the new steam propelled ships prunes was one of these old ideas why they had regular days for things duff day was thursday and i guess sunday was a duff day too that was when they served out puddings the same as they do to sailors aboard a sailing ship then there were tuesday beans and saturday beans and prunes twenty-one times a week for dessert they hunted the world for cooks and got the worst there were why, you could make up your bill of fare a week ahead, yes, for the return trip, but that's all done now. Mr. Clemens asked after friends of his, and in speaking about Mr. Murat Halstead, said that that gentleman went out with him upon a sudden impulse, and took no clothes along. "'No,' said Mr. Clemens, "'I didn't lend him mine, because they wouldn't fit him, and, besides, I didn't have any more than I wanted myself.' did you have a pleasant trip the reporter would have finished the question but a burly custom-house officer grasped the traveller's hand and said i've often heard of mr Twi- uh, mr clemens and i've read your writings but i never had the pleasure etc oh yes replied mr clemens to the reporter lord dunraven and several other lords and many new yorkers are on board and we had a good time i never express any opinions about people but lord dunraven is an uncommonly clever fellow nothing stuck up about him he has brushed up against ordinary clay in his lifetime and he is very talented besides mr clemens had twenty-two freight packages and twelve trunks weighing on his mind and he went away to get his brother-in-law to look after them he goes to Elmira today to spend the remainder of the season and to finish his new book. End of interview number eleven, and end of section eleven. Read by John Greenman.